Is, our, is Vanessa gone? Oh, Vanessa, would you just come down for one second? I just want you just to pray, play just softly for a minute um, as we prepare for the, the word this morning on love. And if you, if you didn't get to, Pastor John did part three this morning. It's online. So if you were expecting part three, um, you can watch it back. He's going to be ministering in the north of Ireland this evening. So he's kind of a little break for the second service, but you can watch it back. Um, but this is just a word that the Lord really put strongly on my heart a few weeks ago. And literally within a couple of hours, he just gave me the whole message. And I, he said to me, this is a message for the body of Christ for right now. So I just had to be obedient, and I felt this was time to share it, to give Pastor John a break. But also, um, I just really feel that in this room, that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work of restoration. And he wants to restore you back to the Father, to the love of the Father, knowing how much the Lord loves you. Because... I just think about this. If, if we just close our eyes for just one moment, if Jesus was to walk through the doors of this stadium and just come, just picture it, just a couple of feet away from you, what would that impression be like for you? What would, what would that do for you? Well, I know for one, I don't think we would be on our feet. We would, we would be, we'd be kneeling down and bowing and adoring him. I really believe that we would, looking into his eyes, we would experience the most powerful, unconditional love that we've ever experienced in our lives. Because the Bible says that God is love and the Father and the Son are one. Jesus is love. He's pure, he's pure love. But his plan for you here in this place, while you live on this earth, is to be a carrier of his love, to be a vessel of love. Just say it right now, I'm a love carrier. I'm a carrier of the love of Jesus. That love has been deposited in our hearts by the Holy Spirit for a very important reason. And that reason is so that the world might come to know him. That love is the love that hung on that cross on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And we have been given the awesome privilege of being vessels which his love can flow through to pick people out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love. And so this is our challenge today. Our challenge is that we want to see more of his love manifested in our lives. We want to see more people coming to the kingdom because of the, the example, the light that is on the inside of us. Not to make us look good, but so that all men will be drawn to him. Jesus said, if you lift me up, I will draw all men to him. How do we lift him up? We live a life that's worthy of him. We live a life that is pure and holy before him, only by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. And so just close your eyes this morning and just ask the Lord as we hear this word this morning, that he's going to do a work in your heart. He's gonna remove all bitterness bitterness towards maybe somebody that's hurt you could be somebody currently or maybe somebody in the past but he doesn't want you carrying those burdens 
He wants you to lay them at the foot of the cross so that you can live a life in the present with your eyes on the future, not looking backwards, not looking behind. He wants you free. So right now, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for any bitterness that we've held towards any person, whether it's a family member or maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend that hurt us or a, a work colleague or a boss. Lord, you know who those people are. And right now we make a choice to surrender and to forgive them and to leave them in your hands so that you can work in their lives, but also that you, so that you can remove everything in our heart that doesn't need to belong there. So we ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Vanessa. Hallelujah. So the title of, the, of this morning was um, Loving Well. And, you know, some of you might read and go, loving well, thinking about a well of water. Well, actually, the love of God is a bit like a well on the inside of you that is supposed to come forth at, a, at, a, at, a, at an opportune time. You know, it's the, the, the love of God, it says, has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So let's think about this. If, you, if you've had somebody say, look, I'm going to deposit some money into your bank account, and later on, you can get that money out if you need it. It's been deposited there. Well, it's the same with the love of God. It has already been deposited when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's been deposited in your heart, and you don't need to ask him for it. You just have to receive it and operate in it. And how do we operate in that love? Well, I tell you, it's not easy sometimes, but the love of God is in our hearts as a seed. It grows, it's nurtured, and it, and it produces fruit if we will allow it, if we will cultivate it. But it is a choice. Every one of us has a choice to make whether we will yield to the love of God that is in our hearts. And the, the opportune times come when it's, a difficult family member or a difficult boss, that's when that love of God has to kick in. I was just talking to a girl in the church who was saying she was having a very difficult situation at work, driving her bonkers, working in this uh, nursing home and very difficult staff who were just really weren't, you know, doing what they were supposed to and the burden was falling onto her. And I said, you know what? It's an opportunity for you to practice walking in love. And she told me she had the meeting and then the next day, she went back to work, and she said it was amazing, the difference. She had an attitude. She says, you know what? I'm just going to love them unconditionally. And she said they were doing everything they were supposed to do. She didn't have to say anything because she had made an adjustment in her heart that she was going to let the love of God flow through her because love is a supernatural force. It's not natural because that's, that love has redeemed us from hell. That's how powerful it is. That love has redeemed us from an eternity in hell because Jesus is love. And his love broke the chains of sin and death. And that love is on the inside of us. But let's, well, let's think about this. What would the world look like if every one of us decided to walk in the love of God? The world would be completely transformed but unfortunately, at the moment, we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing the opposite of that love. And that's why our world is in such a dreadful place. But the exciting thing is that, you know, we are his army. We are his people. And he can do mighty things, even with a small number of people. 
So I'm encouraging you this morning to just listen, let your heart be open to what the Word of God says this morning in relation to love. Because every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, there's somebody in our life that, you know, maybe grates on us and we need to learn to walk in love. So this is for everybody here this morning. Um, I was just thinking about this, you know, over the last year with everything going on and the challenges that we faced as a nation and as the nations of the world, we have had uh, so many changes in our society. People have become wary of people. Don't go near somebody. You might catch the virus. You know, we've all been wearing masks. We can't see our each other's faces. It's just been something that we've never ever experienced before. And I think in some ways, you know, we've responded as well uh, in ways that haven't glorified God in our behavior and our attitude towards others. If somebody had a difference of opinion, you know, we, we blank them out or we say something unkind. And I really feel that grieves the Holy Spirit of God because we are called to bring unity, not to divide the Holy Spirit is a, is a spirit of unity. And so the devil will thrive in an atmosphere where he's given opportunities for strife and offense. And he's delighted when we oblige him and we just, um, you know, we cooperate with him and say nasty things and, you know, are divisive. So we repent of that. Let's repent of that. Lord, we repent of that today. We repent of any unkind words we've spoken to others just because they've got a different opinion from us. Lord, we just ask you just to purify our hearts and take out anything that doesn't give you glory, anything unclean. The only way we can do that is by the grace of God. The grace of God gives you the ability to love the unlovely. I remember there was a minister who used to come to our old church many years ago, and the title of his sermon was, I think you'll remember this, Mom, How to Love Ugly and Difficult People. Wasn't that, well, that's what it was, ugly. And I don't mean physically ugly, but just ugly as in ugly attitudes and ugly you know, words and, and so on. But that's what we're here today. We're going to learn how to love the difficult people, how to love and, and how to, first of all, you see, if it's, it's like, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a channel. When we love the Lord and we worship him and we glorify him and spend time in his presence, that love emanates and comes into us it, it's, like, it's like it rubs off on us. And so when we're ready to go out into the workplace or wherever we go, we're bringing that love with us. But we can't operate in that love if we haven't been with the lover of our soul himself. That's vital that we do that. So the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5.22, there's a lot of fruits that have been deposited in our lives in seed form when we first get saved. But over, the, over our lives, we're given an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to yield to those fruits and see them grow in our lives. Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. But we know, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13 that love is the superior one. Love is the fruit that we all need to be operating in. Because if we operate in love, we'll operate in the rest of those, of those gifts, or fruits, should I say. Romans 5, verse 5, I just mentioned this scripture when I started, and it says, now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
And in the Amplified Bible, it says it's been abundantly poured. So it's been poured in us. Just because we can't see that love doesn't mean it, ex- it doesn't exist. Absolutely, it exists in us because Jesus is Lord of our lives. And it's, like I said, it's like a, a well or a reservoir that, you know, we deposit into it. We nurture it. We, we feed it. And when at the right time, that love comes out. And that love has the power to transform lives and bring people into salvation. But we need to look at what we're putting into the well, what we're putting into the re- reservoir, what, what kind of seeds are we're sowing. If we're constantly looking at negative things on the news and, you know, slanderous things about other ministers or people, all these, you know, things that don't glorify God, if that's what all we're sowing in our life, that's what's going to come out of our, of our mouths, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If you know, if you listen to a person long enough, their conversation, you know what they've been feeding on, what they've been putting into their hearts. It's very easy to, to, to gauge it by what they speak. And so we want our, our words to be words of purity and love. Our, our creator, he's the very essence of love himself. And spending time with him will transform us. 1 John 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So you are a child of God. And it says when you uh, are born again, you receive that love. And that love causes you to change. It causes your attitudes to change. It causes your desires to change. You start thinking about other people first. Before it was all about you and your desires, but now it changed because you have Jesus in your heart and you want to do all you can to please him. But the sobering second part of that verse, it says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not love does not know God. Imagine that. We're not loving others. We don't know God. We're alienating ourselves from him when we don't operate in love. Very, very sobering, but it's the truth. If we know God, we must, we must love. It's part of our nature. We're made in the image and likeness of God. And I really do believe that the number one reason that we don't operate in that love is because we're yielding to the carnal nature, our flesh, what our desires and needs are. They come first rather than yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to let your flesh dominate you because we're living in a world where everything is fleshy and sensual. It's so easy. And that's why we need to renew our minds to the Word of God and let Him transform us, transform our minds, and and as a result, transform our, our, our words and our actions. It is hard. There's no question. I remember... I started a job. It was just before, probably a couple of years before, I was pregnant with my first child. And it was working in a construction company um, not far from my house. And I was on at the, uh, uh, the office doing the admin work. And it was all these builders that, you know, would come in and out. And the, the, the boss lady was, she was a very kind of successful financial lady and she kind of reminded me actually of one of the men herself she was just really tough and had a very hard exterior and she used to give me the creeps because she'd asked me to come in and do something and I'd be terrified that I'd do something wrong because she was extremely intimidating and I worked there a year and a half and I remember I, I, I was I was really battling with my 
confidence and uh, I, I was just living in, a, in fear. Anytime she, she ringed me on the phone, I was, I was, just, I was just scared because she was a scary person. And I, I remember going to the Lord one day in prayer and just say, Lord, I need your help to love this lady because she really is, she's, she's you know, she's just hard to love. And um, it was funny because uh, she would often get me to go up and do her accounts and, and go up to her office and we go through things. And I remember one day, this is probably a year into being there. And then she, she looked at me and she said, she said, Joanna, you're very different. There's just something different about you. And I was kind of going, what does she mean by that? You know, I was a bit on edge. She says, no, there's something, there's something about you. I, I've never seen this. It's like, you're, you're just... You're just, you've just got a lovely light in your eyes, and you're very peaceful, and you just seem to just get on with people, and I, I really, I just really like, I just really like you, and she says, I think you've possibly been one of the best receptionists that we've ever had in this company, and I was like, what? I was in shock, you know, and I remember before I left, I, I just was going on maternity leave, and she presented me with this beautiful gold bracelet, it was, it was, um, Real gold. I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was a real thing. I don't know. It was. It was heavy. And I remember. I was only there a year and a half. And I just said, God, you are so good. I know that's the favor of God, and that's because I made. I made a choice to just love this lady, even though she wasn't easy to love. You know. So that's just one instance of it. And I'm sure if we were to ask each one of you here, there'd be instances where you would have experienced the same thing in your life. And that's what God wants from us. We are his ambassadors here on earth. And if you look at the, the, in the natural, the ambassadors, there's something very stately about them. They're people of integrity and honesty, and they carry themselves well, and they always dress well, and they represent their nation well. Well, that's what God has for us. He wants us to do the same. He wants us to represent his kingdom well here on earth so that people will come to his kingdom. We don't want people saying, well, if that's what Christians are like, I don't want anything to do with it. No, we don't want that. Wasn't it Gandhi who had said that once before, that, you know, looking at the, the, the way Christians were, were, he wouldn't want to be one. And I thought that's, that is so, um, so sad. But potentially we can do great damage to the kingdom of darkness when we walk in love. Um, and it's, listen, it's got to be in our own, it's not in our own strength. It's totally relying on the Holy Spirit what does the Bible tell us about our own weakness? In the face of our own weakness, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said, My grace is sufficient. Sufficient means more than enough. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So say you're in the face of a situation like I was with that boss, somebody you're really finding it hard to love. Just say, God, I'm weak in this area. I can't do this in my own. But I exchange your grace. I take that weakness and I exchange it for your grace and your ability, your empowerment to love that person. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. It could be a, a teenage child that's driving you crazy. It could be anyone, but God will give you the ability to do it because the Bible says love never fails. Another in, in, instance in my own life was, and my mom will tell you this, my, my dad, you know, was an atheist. and uh, I love my dad dearly, but you know, anytime you talked about God, it was like something would, it was like a red rag to a bull. He would just flare up. He would just get so angry and so cross, you know. And over the years, we learned to just be, you know, just 
not rock the boat too much. Um, but I had a difficult relationship with him and that he wasn't there for me when I was growing up and I had a lot of bitterness in my heart towards him. And uh, I, do, I remember uh, sharing this with our dear uh, Frank Cairns, who's one, he's one of the oldest members of the church. He just turned 90. We went away on a church weekend. It was called an encounter weekend. And on that weekend, you, you really wanted, what you were wanting to do was you were just wanting to get rid of a lot of the junk of the past and, you know, so you could just move forward with your life. And I remember he, Frank, um, he was... Um, he was like a representative of, of the people in the room, their fathers. Maybe they, if they hadn't had a good relationship with father, he was going to stand in the gap. And he was, at the end, he was going to give you a huge hug and embrace you. And you had to picture that it was your dad that you were, you were embracing, you know. And I remember doing that. I remember thinking, uh, picturing him as my dad and giving him a huge hug. And I, I, can't, I can't explain to you what that did for me. It really set me free because I realized my dad was, wasn't a Christian. He didn't know any better. He really didn't know any better. And I had to stop, you know, judging him. And I said, well, I, I, I know better because I'm a Christian. And so I remember hugging Frank. And um, it took a little while, but I think possibly about a year later, uh, my dad didn't li lived abroad and he came over to visit and he came and... Um, I was just dropping him to the train. He was just going on his way back to the airport. And I just remember sitting in the car, and I just turned to my dad, and I said, Dad, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for your life and for your kindness to me. He was such a kind man. He would give the clothes off his back to him for me. He was a wonderful man, but he didn't know the Lord. And, you know, I just, I just grabbed him and I hugged him and I embraced him so tight. And I said, I love you. And I said, Lord, please, Lord, just in this moment, just pour your love into him. He doesn't know you, but let it flow through me into him. And we sat there for ages and he said, you know, I love you. And he said, I've never told you. He said, I haven't told you. I haven't been good at expressing my love for you, but I love you. And, you know, that was the start of a journey where he was, God restored my relationship with my dad. And I do believe on his deathbed that he gave his heart to the Lord. And I believe that even in that time when he was, you know, that tumor and brain tumor, that he was, the Lord might have brought back different memories of things in the past. That hug, you know, just that encounter. I believe it was an encounter from God in that moment. Even on our wedding day, I remember we walked up the aisle together, and I was so nervous because he'd never really been in a Christian church, and I was, I was scared, you know, and we were walking up the aisle to Amazing Grace, and I was holding his hand, and I, I remember just feeling this surge of the presence of God just go through my body, and I looked over at him, and I knew he felt it too, and I remember at the at the, the speeches afterwards, he started talking about God, and I was like shocked. You know, God did something in it. And, and so what I'm saying to you, it doesn't matter how difficult the person is or how difficult the situation is. If you make that choice to just die to yourself, to humble yourself, and tell that person you love them no matter what, God will do a work in their heart, and it will bring them to salvation I've seen it firsthand in my life, and he'll do the same for you too. But just yield to him. Just yield to the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do in your life and in those around you. 
So it does take humility, there's no question. It was hard for me to tell my dad I loved him because we never did that in our house. He was never around. He was a kind of a, he was a sort of quiet person, always read the newspaper, didn't communicate much. So it was a big deal for me. But that hug I received from my dear um, Frank Cairns, who we need to keep in prayer because he's been diagnosed with cancer and hasn't been given a good report. He hasn't, in the natural, he needs a miracle. But um, that hug I got from Frank gave me the courage to do that with my dad. And so it's important who you surround yourself with, the people in your life that will speak into your life. Dear people like Frank and Sylvia, who have loved people into the kingdom of God themselves. Beautiful couple. But anyway, um, Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate display of the power of this love. And I, I, I really have this... I know there's a lot of things with doctrine and people say, you know, does God allow this? Does God allow this? Well, I actually believe that God will allow situations in our life that will prune us, that will uh, change us and better us. It's not that he sent those situations. The devil is the source of all evil. He came to kill, to steal and destroy. But when I had a nervous breakdown five years ago, God turned that situation around for the good so that I could uh, be pruned, so that I could, you know, just, it changed me. Like, I, I don't know, there's maybe people that know, knew me back then. I, I was a different person back then than I am now. And I know it's because of the power of God. And I've seen him take me from the pit to the point where I was just wanted to end my life because I was just so full of fear and panic, you know, but yielding to his love and knowing him. You see, when you get to know Jesus and how much he loves for you, it means you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with everything. And, and, and that trust sometimes doesn't come until you build up your relationship with, with your father, with Jesus. Just like it doesn't work, you know, in a, in a relationship with your husband or wife. When you first get married, you only know them on a certain level. It's only when you really get to spend time with them. And over time, you will grow and you will trust them more. It's the same with the Lord. It takes time to build up trust in him. But when you know how much he loves you, you realize that he will do anything for you. He will bring you through any situation. He brought me out of that situation of darkness. And, and he brought me to a, different, a completely different place. And I'm so grateful for God for that. It, it says in the Bible that what the, the devil meant for evil, God will turn it to the good. So if you're going through hell right now, just re realize that the devil will, may mean hell for you. But God, if you will let him, he will turn that situation around for the good to bring him glory. And you're going to say, thank you, God, that you brought me through. You brought me through the valley. Hallelujah. You know, that says that, he, that he's going to bring you through the valley. He's not, he's not going to leave you there. He will be with you in the dark times. Do we want our world to change? Do we want our personal world to change? Yes, we will see a change if we yield to the love of God. Love always wins. It's always the right response. Even if we don't agree, let's agree, be agreeable in the way that we disagree. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 8. I love this uh, scripture. It's, it's, it's a scripture that's always read out at, at, at weddings, which is great, but it's not just for when you get married. It's for everyone. 
And I'm going to read it from the Passion uh, Bible. And I'm reading chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Oh my gosh, sometimes we get jealous when somebody gets blessed with something like a home or a car. But listen, if you just bless that person and love them, that's going to come to you as well. You're next in line. It's all about our attitude. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance. It does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. That's, that's one I have to work on. Or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Why are we so quick to find delight in what is wrong? We're so quick to, oh, someone's done something wrong, just jump in on them. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. It never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. Gosh, when you read that, you think, how on planet Earth could I match up to those different things I've just read? But you know, that it's, it's a journey for every one of us. Even when we go home to be with the Lord, we will never have arrived at that place. But we can get there. We can, we can make steps to change and to become more like him. It's, it's a potential for every one of us. But will we grab it? Will we yield to it? It's something that we practice. It takes time and effort. I think about it with my own kids. You know, I would have, naturally, I would be a person with quite a short fuse and snap at little things or, you know, the kids. But the Lord really been just speaking to me lately just to, just to stop that. That's, just because that's the way I've been up to this point doesn't mean it's the way I have to continue being. Because God wants, it says, he wants to take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. He doesn't want us staying the same. He wants us to just grow in him, grow in the fruits of of the Holy Spirit. And so we can do that. We can be patient with our kids. It is possible. So where do we start then? Like I said, if you've had bitterness towards someone, well, just repent before the Lord and then repent to that person if you have the courage. If it's your husband or your wife or your kids, just take communion and just go before the Lord and just ask the Lord to cleanse you and to bring wholeness and, and, and just to wash you all with the power of his blood, to cleanse, cleanse you from all the, 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 the nasty words and the, and the, and the unkind words. There was a song, I don't know if any of you would be maybe in my age group. It was Don Francisco, and I remember coming to listen to him here in the stadium years ago, but it was, love is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. And it really is. It's not something you feel. You cannot depend on your feelings, because if you went with your feelings, you know, you really would go down, downhill. Feelings are wishy-washy, so love isn't a feeling. It's an act of your will. As I said, it's, it's a choice. We have to choose. And the problem is, so many times we're looking at the world's way of responding to things rather than what the Word of God says. The world's mold and the world's pattern for love is just so superficial. 
You, you, you see it in the celebrity lifestyle. You've got one wife one week, and the next week you've moved on to somebody else. It's not based on, it's, it's, it's completely conditional, but God's love is unconditional. So the stronger that our spirit man grows, the stronger that we feed our spirit and grow those fruits, the less opportunity we will have for our flesh and its desires to dominate. Most of life's problems are because we choose to yield to the flesh. You know, think about it, about going to the gym. You know, you want the body of, of, of a fitness instructor, but you're not willing to go to the gym. You, you, you choose cake instead. <laughs> no pain, no gain. There is, there, is, there is something about walking in love that you have to really... It's painful because you have to put your flesh down. You have to humble yourself and acknowledge that you're sorry, whether the other person says sorry or not, that's irrelevant. You have to acknowledge it first so that God can work and leave that with God then, what the person, how the person responds. In Matthew 5, verse 43 and 48, it talks about loving your enemies. You know, many of us might have heard these scriptures when we were in Bible, uh, not Bible school, in Sunday school. But it's the truth. It says, if you heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. There's no reward really when we uh, just bless the people that bless us. It's those who curse us and we bless them. There's a reward for that. And I, 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 I think it was Teresa actually had said something to me one day. She sent me a message, and um, I, I said, I have to use this in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a teaching. So the problem in the Christian world today is that we try to mix the flesh and the spirit. We try to cater for both. And she said to me, it's like dipping in and out of Christianity and its values. Or sorry, dipping in and out of Christianity and its values is like putting diesel and petrol into the same car tank. Now, you don't want to be driving that car, do you? You want to drive a car you, that's meant for diesel and you put petrol in it. It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to be quite dangerous. But this is how we think we can operate sometimes. We'll have a bit of the world and we'll have a bit of the spirit and we'll just coast along. You, we can't do that in the, t in the time that we're living in. The time that we're living in requires a greater self-discipline and focus than we've never had before. And I've seen that this year. Gosh, this year had to be one of the most challenging years for, I know for us personally, and I'm sure for so many of us here, it was just a very difficult year. You know, navigating your way through something you've never experienced before, trying to maintain as leaders a balance, not to go over on one extreme or the other. You know, how to respond to getting the church back, but being responsible with people with this virus, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult. But I think every time you just go before the Lord and you ask him, just say, Lord, your will, not my will. Put down your flesh. Say, it's not what I desire, God, but it's what you desire. God will give you the wisdom. He'll give you the strategy. He'll give you the equipment that you need to know how to navigate the times that you're living in. The word sanctification appears in the Bible a lot, and I think it makes us a bit nervous particularly, you know, if we're not really serving God as we know we should be. But what does it actually mean? It means set apart or declare holy, to purify, to consecrate yourself. 
and it's certainly not a popular word nowadays. I can think of the exact opposite in the, in the world's pattern. But it's not about trying to appear holier than thou. You know, I believe as Christians we need to be authentic, we need to be genuine. We need to love people unconditionally, see beyond the exterior. How easy it is, is it for us to judge people by the way they, they dress or the lifestyle that they were in? But Jesus didn't do that. Who did he hang out with? He hung out with the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the sinners. And he had the confidence in himself to be able to do that. He had an inner strength, but he had such a love that it just really broke people down and really melted their hearts. Let us be like that, Lord. Loving well is shining the light in the darkness. It's being salt to the earth. It's being a person of flavor. I don't like eating food that doesn't have a good flavor to it. One of our sons got um, uh, COVID there a few weeks ago, and uh, he lost his sense of taste. And we were kind of joking a bit, and he was saying it was great because he wouldn't have to taste my, my cooking anymore. Well, temporarily. But... You know, none of us really like to eat something, particularly if it's a really nice meal it's set before, and you can't taste it. It just, it just tastes bland. It doesn't taste of anything. But as Christians, we don't want to be flavorless. We want to, to, we want to be the salt. We want to, to taste good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, it's not easy being a leader. It's not easy having people looking at you and expecting you to be perfect because we're not. And our kids aren't perfect. None of us are perfect. Um, but people are genuinely watching you. They're watching you when they, you say you're a Christian to see how you respond to things. You know, do you um, send nasty messages on social media? Do you represent um, the Lord well on your posts? Are you judgmental or argumentative or slanderous or proud? Because all these things are the devil's language. And he loves it. He loves to stir up strife. He loves it. And so often we just jump to the bait and we just let him do it. But, you know, we need to stop that. We need to grow up. We need to imitate the ideals of the kingdom of God, not the ideals of a fallen world that so desperately needs a savior. Because other people are doing it and living it doesn't mean that it's right for us. We need to stand out and let our light shine. Being honest, it grieves me to see in the body people living together, people just drinking and getting drunk. You know, the Bible says don't be drunk with wine as in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The devil always has a counterfeit. Why do we need wine when we have the Holy Spirit? We don't need, we don't need any of that. That's what the world needs to cope. But we're not here to cope and survive. We're here to thrive. Not looking any different from the world means that we won't have an effect on our world. So we need to think about it that way. What effect can I have on my world by the way I live my life? Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 15. This is um, Jesus talking about the false prophets. And there's going to be people that will come that are... They're, they are false prophets, particularly in the end, end times. But it says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good bear, tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. We will be known by our fruits. Could Vanessa come up to the keyboard? I don't want to be known as a bad tree. I don't want to be known as somebody who's bearing bad fruit that's withered up and it's dry and it's worthless and, and cannot do anything for anyone. I want my root system to go down into the ground and Jesus be the foundation of my life so that when the fruits come up out of the ground that they resemble him, his life, his kingdom and bring him glory. I don't want to be a bad reflection of my heavenly father. I don't want to, just like we see kids, bad, ki bad spoiled kids, and we say, oh my gosh, what are the, can their parents be like? I don't want God to be, to be misrepresented by my life. So our homework is just take that one person that you've been struggling with and, and bring them before the Lord and ask the Lord to do the work there. And if you've been struggling with fear, just remember this, that perfect love casts out fear. Maybe the reason you're fearful is because you've not been perfected in his love. You haven't received his love. Fear is, will torment you. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We've been perfected in love because we've received Jesus and fear has no longer the ability to torment us. Just let him, just close your eyes, just let him wrap his arms of love around you today and to drive out anything in your life that doesn't need to be there. Any shame, any guilt, any torment, fear, anxiety, bitterness, depression, mental oppression, sickness. As you, as you just yield to him right now, just ask him to help you. It could just be triggered. A lot of it could be triggered just because you've got unbitterness in your heart to sort towards somebody, maybe from 10 years ago that you've never let go. Just let go right now in his presence of that person and the memories and the hurts. Just let them go and just cast them away. Cast them to the foot of the cross and don't pick them up again. Just be like that woman at the, that came in and just took that alabaster box and just poured that costly perfume over Jesus' head so that it flowed down through his body and went down to his feet and anointed his body for burial. Just lavish yourself upon the Lord this, this, in this moment right now. And as you do so, exchange that weakness, that addiction, that fear. Exchange it for his power and his anointing, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. He doesn't want you carrying big heavy loads. You weren't designed to carry a heavy load. I just ask you, Lord, and right now that you take every burden off the people of God so that when they leave this place this morning, they would be free. Lord, show them if there's people in their lives. Show them who it is. Show them what they need to do. Forgive them. Cleanse them. Purify them so that they can bear fruit and their fruit will remain. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're just going to stand up and just sing one worship song, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. If we know, um, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Yeah. Could we try that one? And if you want to kneel or whatever you want to do, I know it's a bit awkward in a stadium with funny seats, but I just feel it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to move on and stop carrying these weights, the sin that so easily ensnares us so that we can run that race with endurance. He's got a lot of things for us to accomplish as individuals, but also as a body of Christ. And we don't want those things in our lives anymore. So let's ask him for him. Give me Jesus. We want more of him and less of ourselves. Amen.